اهلا وسهلا مرحبا بكم في Unboxed Welcome to the Unboxed Podcast Alright, 3, 2, 1, ladies and gentlemen We're back with another episode of Unboxed Podcast And today we are talking with arguably one of the fittest people in Bahrain Abdullah Atiyah, he's a triathlete He's, he's um, into swimming, running, cycling, and I'm sure you get into uh, all his accomplishments in a bit. But personally, I'm really excited to dive into his story. Um, I feel like his, you know, whenever anyone's talking about triathletes in the region, his name definitely comes up. And uh, yeah, excited to dive into your world, Abdullah. Hey, Akala Abdullah, it's good to have you here. Thank you for being with us. I'm excited to hear your story as well. Thank you for being with us. Allah and thank you very much, guys, for having me on the episode. Well, that means a lot. Abdullah, when, when, I, when I go for runs, sometimes long runs, people ask me, like, why are you doing this? Why? And with you, it's more extreme. You're, you're, you're basically just swimming and cycling and running all the time. Why, why are you doing this? I get, I get that question a lot, to be honest. So, I mean, as you get it as well, saying in there, a lot of people come to you, so I just get like double the people. That's the answer always stays the same. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> it's like, 10 times more. Yeah, the, the answer is always the same. The answer is always is, okay, these are my goals. What are your goals? Like, I want to be the best version I can be of myself. I want to put my country on the map in whatever context it is, whether it's swimming, cycling, running, or whether just doing something really crazy like a 13k swim in a pool you know you just want to do something like that just to you know feel good and to get away from all the bad things in life i'd say like you know maybe it would be toxic people whether it would be like going out i i mean you can have a good nightlife and stuff but you know there's a limit to everything i believe and i think sports is my only escape from from all these things from all the let's say the bad in the world just puts you in the zone yeah and i guess especially with the kind of sports that you do, um, there, you know, you're putting in a lot of hours and spending a lot of time with yourself. So I guess you, uh, you, you spend a lot of time with your thoughts. And um, yeah, I guess uh, like in a way it's an escape. It's in a way you sort of need to face, you need to be comfortable with who you are, your thoughts, your like, what if you, I feel like if you don't have a strong, idea of what you're doing and why you want to do it it's it's hard to keep going like it's hard because because when you're halfway into a race every part of your body is aching you you need to ask yourself some tough questions (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I completely get where you're um where you're coming at and this is where you train your mind you know the mind is such a strong tool uh, like to be quite frank with you if you don't train your mind, that's the most important thing. Like you can, you can be the fittest guy in the world, but, but if you don't have like a, a strong mind, I'd say you're not going to make it to that finish line and you're not going to, and if you do make it, you're going to make it completely shattered and you won't be able to make it to the next starting line. If, uh, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's all about training your mind during training. It's always being with yourself, believing in yourself and enjoying yourself, enjoying your own company. You know, it sounds <laughs> very funny to say like, <laughs> Being a loner, it kind of sounds like being a loner, but then again, it's your goal and your motivation that drives you and just makes you want to just push even more. 
Also, if you yeah. lose a couple of races here and there, that also like really burns the fire. Hey, it's 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 really amazing. Like I'm fascinated by how how much your mind can control your like how you feel physically, how you perform physically. I remember reading about this experiment where they had cyclists lined up and uh, with a big screen in front of them. And they'd flash these images for microseconds, not enough for, for the cyclists to recognize what the images were. But basically, they were just images of either a smiley face or a sad, or a sad face or something like that. And the, the cyclists who were being flashed at with these negative images of people frowning and people crying and people who were sad, ended up performing a lot worse than people who were getting the positive reinforcement of people smiling or people cheering. And um, yeah, I find that fascinating. But yeah, and a lot of athletes have, have ways, hacks of, of sort of getting around this. They have this mantra that they, um, they recite or they use a lot of visualization. Um, how, talk us through how you, how you sort of train your mind. And then try to. So this is a, a secret that I always used to have to training my mind. Um, obviously, every time, like there's this famous quote by Muhammad Ali where he goes like, and he only only counts his reps once they start hurting. Yeah. And I actually took that into consideration. Like, okay, let me start looking at that in my training perspective. So every time I'd feel tired on the bike or I'd feel tired in the pool, that's when I'd remember that this is where it counts. And I'm a big Usain Bolt fan. Um, and also, he always, always said the last rep is the most important rep. So every time when you're doing these intervals, you're going towards the last one, and you're just like completely shattered. That's where you remember these quotes. That's what pushes me. Whereas in races, I'd always remember the hours that I've put in because it's not easy. You're away from your family. You're away from like other things you could be focusing on, like self-improvement, like let's say in a business aspect or something like that. Um, you're just away. You're spending your time either swimming, cycling, or running or doing anything to keep fit, whether it's core work, gym work. And you're just like, yeah, if I, if I mess up now, then all that just goes to waste. What's the point of me training for endless hours, 25 to 30 hours a week. So I need to be like in the zone. So I'd have like a little motivational, like let's say paper on my bike. So it's like kind of like a sticky note, but it sticks the full thing. So I'd stick it on my bike and I'd write like quotes or I'd write something to say like, you know, once you finish the race, this is all going to be over. And when I see that on the bike, that, that just motivates me to just to go a little bit faster, a little bit harder. So it's always these things that motivate me as well. It's also when I'm hurting, I know that, okay, if I like mess up now, I know later on it's going to hurt me more than what is hurting me now. Because if you, if you finish the race and you're in pain, it's all good. But then if you mess up the race, the pain's going to be there for, seven, for like seven to eight days where you're just like, oh, why did I do this? Why did I do that? Well, that's, that's just me. Like, I just get really sensitive when it comes to like not performing well. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they say pain is temporary, but the feeling you get, the satisfaction, the sense of victory, that no one can do that. something else. That's something Definitely. else, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, changing, like, going back a bit, do you, do you feel, like, how, how do you think your parents would describe you growing up? Um, so, I grew up with just my mom. Um, my dad wasn't around growing up and I just look at my mom as my motivation to be honest um, some people may say oh this guy's a mama's boy or something like that this um, people can talk all they want but you know like so my mom grew up raising 
both me and my brother and she would work way too much and the the effort and hard work that she kept in to raise both of us i felt like if i did the exact same thing in sports i could easily be an olympic gold medalist but um yeah i just had other things other priorities as well so that's why i didn't reach up to that standard but um yeah arab champion and winning an asian championship is all good for me (laughs) (laughs) do you think you were like as driven because you, you, I feel like you're a very driven goal-oriented person were you always like that growing up did you you know you wanted to be an athlete uh, you, you know you wanted to be competitive on an international level or did that come later as uh, as you got a bit older so the competitive spirit always came when I was young like obviously if you had like big elder brothers and stuff or like elder siblings in general and you just see your siblings because my siblings were national team swimmers and i used to see them come back from like you know gcc competitions arab championships oh, nice. uh asian championships i'd see them like obviously they didn't do anything with asian champs but like in the arab champs and the gcc champs they'd come back with medals and i'd be like you know a young abdallah in the airport welcoming them back and seeing medals with them and then them taking the team picture and stuff always motivated me to go like, okay, you know what? I want to be like that. I want to go there. I want to win medals as well. Because then you'd see their their faces on the newspaper and it's just amazing. So I was very fortunate enough to get into a swimming squad when I was young with, uh, you know, thanks to my brothers, they motivated me. And just that that competitive spirit was there between me and my brothers as a young age. Because when I was young, I would always compare my timings to their timings. And then... (laughs) And then that would just motivate me to just go to a different level every time you just pass one. Are, are you still, I think we lost you for a second. Are you uh, still no, on? No, no, still on. Okay, good, good. Hey. Um, so yeah, how, how did your brothers take it when you started crushing them? <laughs> um, so, so everyone was everyone was good at a certain stroke. Um, okay. My brother was was good at like long distance, and my other brother was a good backstroke swimmer. So I went to the backstroke. Um, I, I was first a backstroker, and then I wasn't as I wouldn't say I wasn't as good. Then I moved to fly, but then again, swimming wasn't my thing. I didn't really enjoy it. Um, obviously, there were some personal reasons for why I didn't enjoy the like the swim squads and swimming because every day you'd wake up and you're just like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't feel like doing this. This isn't my sport. So mm. then that's where I slowly transitioned into like aquathlon. So swim and runs because I loved running ever since I was, I was a little kid. Um, mm. Obviously, you know, <laughs> so it was always a thing that really won't like drove me. So that's where I transitioned to triathlon. I, I guess back in, back in the day, the, the triathlon scene wasn't really um, as developed as it is today. I mean, I mean, it's still not. I mean, I think if you compare where we are today and where things were when you started, uh, we've come a long way, especially with all the um, like the, the Ironmans that have been happening every year. I think those generated a lot of interest, and it's, it's so nice to see people like, cycling and running. Almost every day around sunset, early mornings, weekends, you see people riding, and it's so nice to see the community growing. But uh, I can imagine back when you started, it was very different. Like, uh, were there were there people? Was there a community of triathletes that you knew of that like so, sort of uh, guided so you like, on this path? 
So um, I joined the sport just when His uh, Highness Sheikh Nasser joined. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't a lot of people, but ever since he joined, and then he started bringing in these events, like the Nasser Bahad Foundation started doing these triathlon races, duathlon races, uh, duathlon obviously being run by Quran. Um, and then all these other events started coming in. A lot of people started transitioning into the like multi-sport phase. And before that, because I used to live like obviously where everyone would cycle near the log. And before that, ever since I was a kid, I'd go swim in the sea there. I'd never see a cyclist there. Maybe just like an old group called Awali Wheelers. And there okay. were just like, British, British expats, like five of them just cycling on their own. And like now, if you go there on a normal day, on just a normal day, I'm talking, you'd see 30 bikes out on the road. Like yeah, just cycling, everyone's just cycling. It's it's amazing. Obviously, all yeah. thanks goes to you know Hassan Sheikh Nasser for this uh, for bringing the sport to the country, and obviously it's moving faster than ever. And you know every athlete, like every triathlete who was like let's say semi professional, um, racing for Bahrain, you know obviously all of them had his support. So that was also a very good thing because you know it's hard when you didn't have like a national federation to support you. So he was there to like you know be there. Mm-hmm. You, you you mentioned that you know you set your sights on being an Olympic medalist. Was when did you when did you first realize that you that it was a this was something that you could even consider? Um, not Olympic medalist. Um, that would be an unrealistic goal. I um I've, I've wanted to be an Olympian to be honest, and okay. uh, I think that could have been easily achievable if I continued uh, in the sport rather rather than you know i had to go obviously all the arab the arab way where you have to focus on your career before sports um mm-hmm. every household would tell you that and that is very important i'm very happy with this decision because i got to be a commissioned officer into the bahrain defense force which is something i've you know always dreamed of as well as a kid you know wanting to serve my country whether it be in sports or in your career so um Basically, ever since I raced the Asian Championships and I raced the I raced the Arab Championships, that's where I was like, okay, you know what? I could turn professional. I've been swimming really good. I've been always first out of the water. Uh, the cycling phase and the triathlon is always easy because you just have to draft behind each other. So basically, triathlon is a running race. So you have to be a good runner to to win, like let's say an Olympic gold. Because if you if you watch the Olympics, uh, the triathlon uh, the triathlon events in the Olympics, what you'd see is You'd see all of them coming out of the water together, maybe just mm-hmm. a small group, maybe slightly ahead, but then the pack would catch them on the bike. Then all of them are going to be together on the bike and then just comes down to a running race. The fastest runner always wins the Olympic gold. So unless, but you can get one of, one of which, so you could get a, a runner, a really, really fast runner, but is a horrible swimmer. So he'll come off the bike at the end, but just make it towards like a top 10 finish. Mm. Interesting. It was so, so drafting, remind me, so with Olympic triathletes, drafting is, is fine, right? You can Drafting is fine because it's okay, an Olympic okay. distance race. It's not okay, an Ironman. Okay, okay, okay. Very interesting. Abdullah, um, I feel like with, whenever I talk to uh, athletes, professional athletes, or, or, you know, people who do it for fun or whether they do it professionally or not, they always have one, you know, one or a few experiences that were especially challenging that they never, ever forget and they always look back to. Um, I wanted to ask you about that. Do you have 
you know, one or a couple of experiences that you always carry with you because they were just, there was something about them that was more challenging that, than what you're used to and that you learned something from? So I have, I have a couple to be honest, but there's this one that I could never forget, which was um, the Arab Championships in 2016. So it was April 3rd. So it was the death anniversary of my father. And it was something where I was like, you know what, I need to win this race for him. I went into this race as the reigning champion. So I won it in 2015. I went in as, I went in as the reigning champion in 2016. So obviously all the pressure and all the eyes were on me. So I remember this race, it was a really strong field. You've got lots of newcomers coming in. You've got lots of people from all over the region there. And it was in Sham Sheikh, Egypt. So we started off the race perfectly fine. First out of the water for me, which is as I expected. And then going on to the bike, I had a, I had a group of two other individuals with me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this is where me and these guys would be running, running you know, away from the pack on the bike and then cycling away, sorry. And then it'll come down to a running race between the three of us. And I was pretty confident that I was going to outrun all of them. So on the bike, I remember because Egypt, obviously, you know, Sham Sheikh and Egypt, how they are. The roads are just horrible. <laughs> um, so I hit a speed bump, I remember, which was not even a speed bump. It was just like a block on, on the road. It wasn't even like a proper speed bump. So I hit it so badly that my seat came off. So I started oh. riding. I started riding. And that was like, Five kilo, no, three, four kilometers into like a 20 kilometer bike ride. You had uphills and downhills. So I remember my seat came off and then I hit the other speed bump and then my handlebars went down. So I never usually let a mechanic fix my bike before a race. I usually always fix my bike. But I remember this year I let a mechanic do it. So I can never trust a mechanic. Um, so my, my, my front handlebars were facing downwards and my seat came off. So I was just like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to lose the race. And I had that mentality. And like, that's where I was, as I was talking to Fahad, where the mind games, like you hear like a million voices in your head saying, okay, you know what? You're done. You're not going to win. Uh, it's over for you. Just, you know, pull out of the race rather than finish fifth. You know, some people have that mentality. And I was just like, you know what? If I'm going to lose, I, lo- I, give, I have to make sure that if I first place wins first, he has to like be absolutely shattered once he reaches the finish line. So I was cycling. Obviously, if you're not sitting down, all the pressure goes to your thighs while you're just standing. So you feel the pressure on your thighs really badly. So going in, I was just trying my best to keep, keep in with them. They went into transition. So obviously, transition is the phase where you change from bike to run. So they went into transition maybe 30 to 40 seconds ahead of me for the five-kilometer run. And then I just go in completely shattered and mentality was just really i don't know what, what how to describe it but then i just kept on remembering like i told fahad why what is your why why do you want to do this why do you always want to push why do you why are you here you remember the training hours you remember everything that you've done who you are and what's going to happen if you don't win the race and what's going to happen if you win the race how long will the pain be there so then i just managed to catch first place at the 2.5k mark and then put a gap on him and uh, managed to win the event so that was a race i won't forget that's, That's I did not expect that ending. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a good race. I've I've got a couple of funny pictures of me riding without a saddle as well. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of jokes for that. A lot of people were teasing me for that. <laughs> Do you insane. feel that your your goals change with time? I mean, 
um, is it like do you go into every race with a specific goal كل يعني مثل لما بتتسابق لما بتدخل الريس هل كل مرة عندك هدف معين ولا do you have an overall goal طبعا يعني كل مرة إذا بتدخلين سباق لازم تعرفين من المنافسين في السباق لازم تعرفين شنو هدف السباق لأن في يعني سباقات نفس موديولين أن أنا بدخل دي السباق عشان أحقق مركز أو أنا بدخل دي السباق عشان أكتسب خبرة ف يعني obviously if you're gonna race in Europe where all the fast boys are that's where you're gonna go like okay you know what and I need to like let's say so when I raced in Europe my first time my first time was to just make the pack and the cycling because I know there are faster runners so I managed to do that then the second time I raced in Europe I was like okay so I placed last time I was like 60th or something out of like 70 people which is really down because at the end of the day you know it's my my mentality is slow progression is better than no progression at all so second time i raced europe i was like okay i placed tops i, I placed 60 from 70 this time when i go in i want to get 50 from 70 mm-hmm. uh, then you just put realistic goals you can't just come in and say okay you know what i'm going to win this Euro- these Euro- european boys and mm-hmm. you know manage to beat them you can't so you have to put like different goals yeah yeah that makes sense i mean when what do you think in terms of like looking at our like uh, our triathlon ecosystem in general um like one thing that stands out to me for example is now that i'm i'm trying to train for an ultra marathon i've been looking for places to train with elevation and i've never realized how flat bahrain is so i mean I think naturally, you know, if you're training against people who used to training at elevation, uh, that's just their backyard. That's, you know, I feel like one uh, disadvantage we're at in this part of the region. Um, do you feel like there, there are other challenges you face as a triathlete from this part of the world? That, uh, um, every, every athlete would have their own, like, let's say, their own favorite playground, as you'd say, as you'd call it. So, um, I myself, I love training in Bahrain. The heat training is, is you know, phenomenal, as you'd say, because it's, it's humid, it's hot in some, during the summertime. And you can, that is a lack of oxygen for you. It's not as similar as altitude, as you'd say. Um, yeah, you don't have the hills for the hill wraps and stuff, but you've got some pretty steep hills some places. So you'd have to drive there and just do a couple of wraps there every now and then. But the heat does add up. Um, the group that you're with, like in Bahrain, I'm very fortunate enough to have a really good group. So I train with the national team cycling boys. I get to swim with like uh, some professional triathletes that, that are stationed here during the, like, let's say sometimes the winter time, summertime. Um, you've got, you're, you're accessible to everything anytime. That's the great thing about this country. What I find about triathlon training. Um, obviously the, the European guys, they've got the altitude, they've got the hill reps, they've got the long roads and, that's where you have to always look at the positives in every negative situation you know whereas okay if i'm going to be cycling on the same road every single day for the rest of my triathlon career whereas i compare myself to another guy in europe he's going to be cycling in a different road every day uh, throughout his career that gives me the mental toughness that i'm doing the same thing every single day in the same place that i can you know I don't mind. So that I, whenever I go race outside, I know that if I see something new, if I see a tree, I'll be just pushing really hard because, like, you know, obviously, I'm motivated. So, so that's, that's what I feel like is the difference. 
Whereas if they come and race here, they just struggle with the heat, you know? So Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, the, the, the view, it's, it's amazing how much the um, atmosphere of a race can, can make a difference on your mental attitude. Um, and if you're used to just being in an arid desert, <laughs> grinding it out on the same road every day, out on the same road every day. <laughs> you're going to crush it when, when you go to somewhere beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a nice way to look at it. I'm gonna think about that next time I'm in uh, seeing that same patch of road again and again and again. So it's always good to race the Ironman race because you get to cycle on the highway. So, so yeah, that's yeah, a but, bit of you know, thing. you know, the last the last time I did it, it was a bit of a scary experience. Um, How so? Like, uh, okay, maybe not scary. Okay, scary is not the best word. Like the some parts were scary because of the way people were driving, um, but putting that aside, I don't like it was just very crowded in certain areas. It felt like we were just driving through car smog. A lot of the race uh, might have been different if we were closer to the lead back, but um, yeah, it was some parts. I mean, I love some parts. I love being around the lab was coming through around the um, financial harbor was yeah. was pretty rough at times uh, which year did you race the arm if you don't want me asking um i think it was about not the last one the one before uh which makes it uh 20 was 2019 no 20 2018 maybe and then i did it yeah yeah i think i did 2018 Obviously, being a race car driver, you loved sucking around the F1 track, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the favorite part. <laughs> did, 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 you know, did you know every single lap and every single turn? And <laughs> I knew exactly what was coming. The, it feels, the elevation feels a lot more intense when you're on a bicycle. <laughs> so the gravel in the F1 track is just different. So it's a bit heavy on the like tires of the road bikes and triathlon bikes. So it is a bit difficult. But uh, I think the traffic was controlled really good on the hands of the MOI. They did a good job with that. Every time I was there racing the team events, I've never done the individual one, okay. I raced the team events, but the uh, traffic was, was good. Nice, nice. You guys are probably flying. You, I think you're faster than the traffic. No, no. I can for the both of you. Um, I wanted to ask, so I always think of this, um, you know, it's easy to look at athletes and, and think they have something I don't have, Yanin, and to exclude yourself from them, right? Like, um, and they have some kind of super ability that I don't have. And we just, you know, we watch their achievements and we admire them, but we never really imagine being in their shoes. But as you guys said, the, Yanin, Yanin, there's, a lot of, there's a lot more people cycling, there's a lot more people running. But what I wanted to ask you both, actually, is, is can anyone be an athlete? Like, what does it take to be an athlete and to be really good at it? Uh, Fahad, yeah. you, you've got the answer for this. Can <laughs> <laughs> I do you both a that question? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me try to go first. Uh, I'll give you more time to think of your answer. Um, I... I think there's 
I think if anyone can be, anyone can do whatever they set their mind to. Um, but I do think that there are, there are also just certain traits you're born with or genetic predispositions that might put you at an advantage at a certain uh, sport. For example, if you, if you don't have good hand-eye coordination or fast reflexes, no matter how hard you train, you, you probably don't have a good chance of being a race car driver. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just a basic um, herd that you need to overcome. Uh, that being said, you don't have to be a racer. There's a million sports to choose from, and I'm sure if you want to excel at sports in general, you can. You, you're bound to be able to find something. And uh, I think in my situation, I'm very lucky. Similar to Abdullah, I was sort of like nudged into race race car driving by my father from a very young age. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's that puts you at, a, at an advantage, a competitive advantage that is very like hard for someone. Like, if you're starting when you're seven, six years old, um, and then you have 10, 20 years of experience over your competitors, that is something that is like near impossible for them to overcome. Mm-hmm. If you don't have putting in the time, like starting early and putting in the time, that's, I think if you're gonna be, if you want to be world class, that's something you like. Yeah, something essential. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts, Adama? Um, exactly, just like what uh, Fahad said regarding because like China has this like program of like genetically doping, so they'd get athletes to marry athletes and you know produce athletic babies and stuff. And that is something considered. It's called a, yeah, athletic, a genetic doping. Sorry, you could... Oh, uh, not sure if that's the correct term, but that is what it is. And genetics does play a big role, but also it is... And I don't believe, I'm a person that doesn't believe in talent. It's a bit of a cliche thing to say, it, but um, I'm not a talented man whatsoever. For me, it's... I have to work hard. I have to work hard no matter what it is. I think you need to just be dedicated. You need to be dedicated. I need to know... You need to set yourself realistic goals you know, achievable goals, measurable goals, like basically smart. So specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-specific. So if you have all those planned out, then I'm well sure that if you don't make it to the top, you just land amongst them. Um, but yeah, if you, if you just like want to do it for like, let's say the sponsors or the money or the fame or anything like that, then you're not going to make it. It's just going to be a short-term boom and then you're gone. Um. But I'm sure I think I think it's so important to as you know when we when we before starting this podcast, Fahad was saying that you know we want to also shed light on the you know the behind the glamour uh, aspect of things, the the struggles and again this um, this also goes for the both of you, for the both of you, just you know let's talk a little bit about okay you guys mashallah very good and you're always progressing but you're very good at what you do but are you are you still struggling struggling in struggling in in you know okay i'm sure you you struggled when you first start, started and now you're you know much better than when you first started but how is it now is it like um, second nature or do you still 
feel like you're, I'm still working for it. So is, do you feel like it's easy now or? So nah. basically it's, it's not, it became harder for me in the sense. So it got easier and harder at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you can't compare yourself to the, let's say one year ago, you. Um, so obviously I started out the sport with no sponsors whatsoever, obviously mm-hmm. having to pay everything uh, from my own pocket and stuff. And then I was very fortunate enough to have uh, Puma Middle East and Red Bull to join my side. And I had like a physio shop as well, Rashid Physiotherapy. They're all there supporting me. So that really brings down a lot of your costs, which mindset wise puts you in the mindset where you're like, okay, you know what? I need to make them proud. I need to represent them in the most professional manner. And it just makes you want to be a better athlete. But like after I've stopped, I've taken like, let's say two year break from sports because obviously I've went to um, a military academy and commissioned and now I came back here and I've got other priorities. So I have my own job now. Alhamdulillah, I get paid, so I don't need to be the one looking for sponsors. I can just cover it up from my you know, monthly pay. Mm. But then again, what's hard now is that I have another job, so I'm not full-time like how I used to be. So it is much difficult because you're facing guys who are full-time athletes, whereas you're doing it part-time now. So it became easier in the sense that I have my own funding, but harder in the sense of training. But the drive and the motivation is always there. That never changes. Mm. Yeah, what do you think um, of that? Yeah, to, to add to what you're saying, I, th- I think the the better you get at something, the the harder it is to to progress. Uh, initially, when you have a lot of people that are better at you, you you learn you're, you're quickly learning. Uh, you finish last place every every time you're on the track, you're learning, and there's just so much information experience you're gaining. But when you I don't know, I feel like when you're leading a race or you're doing well and you don't have as many people pushing you, it's very hard to keep progressing. Um, and that's, I think that's a, that's a big challenge, sort of mentally um, always reminding yourself that you're never going to be perfect and you need to always be open to finding new ways to improve uh, being very hard on yourself, uh, uh, trying to surround yourself with people who can give you honest feedback. You don't want to be surrounded by people who are just going to uh, try to, I don't know, feed your ego or anything like that. Uh, it's, yeah, I think, yeah, that's that's what I would add. Because I, I completely agree with what you said. Yeah, I never thought of it that way, actually, especially what I had said about, um, you know, when you when you get really good at something, it's so hard to get better and to like, you have to challenge, you start, you have to come up with new ways to challenge yourself versus mm. when you're first starting off. That's a really good point. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I think you got me thinking, Abdullah, about what um, sort of the stage of life you're in now and uh, how your priorities have changed? How? Yep. Uh, I'm guessing sports still plays a huge role in your life. Um, how? Like, like, how do you see yourself? Your your involvement in sports continuing like into the future? Now that your um, your priorities have shifted a bit. So I won't 
I won't say it's, it would be wrong of me to say I was the best athlete in the country. I would just like to state that I am, I'd say, one of the best in the country who has managed his sponsors. So I'd really like to, in the future, like start you know, consulting young athletes on how they can approach sponsors and do it the way they like i've i've taught my own self you know because i know some there there's obviously someone out there an athlete struggling with funding to go race and put his country's flag out there and it's not the fact because his federation isn't supporting you know all federations are very supportive but at the end of the day if you have your own goals sometimes the federation can't just support you that would be selfish of them they need to support the whole team because there's no in team as you know so um it's just to like you know support young athletes on how to to get sponsors how like give advice on racing and stuff like that I, if i'm not my, my like mindset is if i'm not racing i'm volunteering you know Man. um I, I still have obviously i'm still i'm just 22 years old i'm i am going to be racing in the near future hopefully once this pandemic is is through um i've got a I've got a lot of races in mind a lot of goals i'd like to achieve but also at the same time since i've got my career I'd also like to progress as a sporting figure in the country. I'd like to volunteer for, like, let's say, local clubs. I'd like to volunteer um, in national federations, help make a program that can enhance the funding in the federation, try to approach sponsors, big names, and just, you know, do a bit of change for the sports scene in the country. You know, obviously having Sheikh Nasser as a really huge idol in the country, you know, I, I get, I'm very fortunate enough to be able to sit with the man and learn from him. So, Obviously, when you sit with people who are really good at what they do, it kind of rubs off to the person. So I'd, I'd like to just do as much as I can. You know, I'd really like to help. Dela, did you say you're 22 years old? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> what? Mashallah, the way, the way you carry yourself, the way you speak, you sound extremely mature and... Um, Wow, I think you're by far the youngest person we've, we've interviewed. I don't know if that's an honor or... <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah. you're still so young. Wow. Mashallah. Uh, mashallah, you've had you know, such a journey so far. And at 22, as Fahad said, I mean, you're really young. And, and you've... Um, Mashallah, Yani, you've you've done a lot. You were in this area that requires massive discipline. Uh, I'm sure a lot of sacrifice. So what I'm wondering is how has your life changed since you've started? You know, you take on so much. You're 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 at your full-time job and you're doing this and 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 all of these things require a lot of discipline. So I'm sure I'm sure a lot has changed. I'm sure you've had to sacrifice quite a bit. Uh, whether it be your personal relationships, whether it be just your life in general, how has that transitioned since you started doing this? Um, that's a really interesting question. Uh, thank you, Hala, for that. Um, so ever since I was like, let's say, you know, in high school, obviously I'd have, have to risk, I'd have to like sacrifice, you know, the, the outings with friends and the parties and all that stuff for early morning training and all that you know good stuff how i'd call it because i enjoy it um which is one thing you know you only have one childhood and once it's gone it's gone you know but i don't regret any of that because i enjoy what i do no matter what i always enjoy what i do it's the same thing with my career so i stopped triathlon for two years to go pursue a career in the military and the defense the bahrain defense force um not because I was forced to or any of that stuff. It's because I love the job. I love the role that I'm in, especially now where I'm serving currently. 
it's just I go to work every day with a smile on my face. Like even now I'm in quarantine, I'm not allowed to go to work, which is which sucks. That's the worst thing. I don't mind staying at home for two weeks. It's it's a plus for me. I, it doesn't matter, but I just miss work because I always believe in doing something you love. Whether you love that, if you're doing something you completely love and you're not doing you're not doing it for the name, you're not doing it for anything, then no matter what, it never feels like work. It's such a cliche thing to say because you hear that stuff in the movies. Like, always do something you love, you'll be a millionaire. Now, I don't want to be a millionaire. I just want to be happy, you know? And going there and working and, and, you know, working where I'm at and then going and training with friends, that's all I need. And the discipline is just, you know, as I said, the goal. It's always the goal. You have that goal of always wanting to be the best version of yourself. And that's what drives me to always wanting to do the things I want, I'm doing now. Beautiful, thank you, Abdullah. Yeah, beautiful. I um, I, I feel like so with when it comes to performing, performing at a high level, I feel like. And you correct me if, if I'm wrong, Abdullah. This I feel like ninety nine point ninety nine percent of effort always happens before the race, in between races. The race is just trying to execute. Because I feel like all the hard work happens in between races and i'm curious to get a glimpse of sort of um what your training program looks like like how how are you how are you how are you staying fit and becoming like oh. the machine that you are so, so, so all the secrets are coming out now in this podcast people will be lucky to like it. <laughs> so um so i'll just give you like of what i used to do let's say that when i used to train prof- like semi-professionally let's say um back when I was in high school, not now, because obviously after high school, I just went on to focus on my career. So back when I was in high school, I would, so what would happen was I would wake up early morning at five o'clock. Obviously my, I didn't have my license. So my mother would drop me off to the swimming pool and I'd be there at five thirty. So I'd get a quick 30 minute nap before swim training starts at six thirty. So obviously I'd do my stretching before the swim session starts. So I'd swim and obviously I've gotten a letter from the Olympic committee to give to my school saying I'd be late for the first, you know, period of school, nice. which is something That's I'm handy. very grateful for. Yeah. It's very handy. <laughs> very handy. So sometimes you get to sleep extra. Um, um, so, so yeah, I'd, I'd swim. And then from there I'd walk to school. Um, it'd be a 3K walk. Um, and I'd like that because that, that walk would just make me fresh let's say because mm-hmm. swimming just gets you really sleepy after yeah. you're done so yeah, just yeah. freshen me up for class i'd be there maybe just 10 to 20 minutes late and then after class i'd walk to the national stadium because obviously all the schools are next to each other in east town um i'd then walk to the national stadium and i'd be there obviously three hours earlier than the session would start so that's where i'd do my homework or i would just sleep and chill so so after that i'd train and then i'd just go back home uh, that would be a normal day. So every morning would be swimming. And then the afternoon, I'd alternate between running and cycling. And obviously, the the load depends on what's approaching. So if it's off-season, we just do volume, where it's just long, long distance, like 5K swims and just two-hour bike rides, let's say 10K runs on the usual. But like if we were to like more than 10K runs, sorry. But then if we have a competition coming up, it'd be short and intense, just building up all the way to the competition and then just tapering down. So is the idea when you're when you're like off season or, or training long before a race? Um, so it's like I've heard the concepts of building the base. You know, if you have imagine a pyramid, yep. 
um, you want to build the base and basically, some people call it, I think, zone two training. So you're doing light intensity, but for a long time. And the idea is to just um, get your, get comfortable at a low intensity, uh, maintain a low heart rate, like for long, long periods of time and just condition the the, the 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 base of, of your of what's gonna what you can add later when it comes to high high intensity work is that is that a fair description that is a fair description yeah so basically the base would always be like your gym work and your core like core never solves but like your gym work you know you can't be lifting weights and then be racing because that'll just make no sense so it'd just be light and easy sessions whereas the gym work would be like really up there and then that's where you burn off the muscle by later on you know obviously going to zone three and four. Um, uh, the, the nerdy side of me wants to dive a bit more into like style, technique, uh, of, of maybe the each, each of the disciplines, if, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. So when it comes to, to, to running, which is uh, something I'm, I'm currently thinking about a lot, spending a lot of time, I... I feel like a lot of people have a tendency to just, um, I mean, no, uh, uh, like strike. no one really, no one really, yeah, heel striking. That's where I, that's where I want to get, what, what I want to get into. Like, I think a lot of people, we never really are taught how to run. And I feel like there's a lot more technique that goes into running than, than maybe most people would, would uh, think like just start. So, how do you have any strong opinions about running form? <laughs> so I used to, I used to be exactly like you um, about like running techniques because I'll just run like you know with like how I run. Mm-hmm. Then I had a I had a coach who came up uh, came and started coaching the team and he taught me something that was very important. Like he told me, so you're running really good, but if you want to run faster, you need to fix your technique. And then I start working on my technique and obviously I'm looking like I'm being slower. I'm just then telling him like. Okay, I'm getting slower. What's wrong? Your technique's not working. So then he told me, so you land, so I used to land, I used to heel strike. So he told me, just try to stand on your heels and jump. You can't even jump a meter. But then if you're on your toes and you're trying to jump, you can, you can go a couple, you could go a meter or two. And that's where, that's where it's like, you have to land toe first and then, you know, bring in your heel. Mm -hmm. So it does play a big role. Also your hands, obviously you have to alternate right hand, left hand, you know what I mean? You yeah. need to like, the technique is everything because once you get tired, cause I was also reading up some books I've got about like running um, from like superstars from Kenya and stuff. It's always like, whenever you're tired, that's where your technique carries you. Because if you're tired, you're going to feel how heavy your shoulders are. You're going to start mm-hmm. feeling everything starting to hurt. So what you need to do is just, Focus on your technique, and whenever you get tired, just increase the cadence of swinging your arms. It's something very funny, but um, it does actually work. Even um, the Olympic gold medalist in triathlon, who now who was the Olympic gold medalist in triathlon, she transitioned to becoming a full marathon runner. Her name is Gwen Jorgensen, and she also has that method where I always focus on my hand movement because the more I move my hand, the more I see my legs moving. And it's insane. With running, it never stops because you've got these new shoes as well, the carbon fiber plate shoes and stuff. And everything is just improving, you know? Like, obviously, you've seen Elliot Kipchoge break the two-hour yeah. marathon mark. And the shoes that he has are just, you know, insane. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah, there's, it's, it's surprising. The more I dive into running technique, the more I seem to, to uncover it. Like there's, there's also cadence, which is the amount of strides you take per minute, which I guess yep. you were hinting at improving with your, with the movement of your arms because your, your, the movement of your arms are correlated. Your, your arms basically do the opposite of your legs. You're counterbalanced. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny how if you're just speeding up the top part, your, your legs are trying to catch up. And, um, it's also I, another, I another becomes, funny thing. I'm sorry, but another funny thing you've got is trying to draft and running because that actually works. You know, If you yeah, have yeah. someone in front of you and you're behind him copying his foot strides, he's doing most of the work. That's how you see like in the marathons, you've got pacers. So they're running at a certain pace and the guy who's like, you know, wanting to win the Olympic gold or wanting to win any race, he'll just be behind him and just resting there. And then the guy at the front would just get angry, like saying, okay, it's your turn to go to the front. And they're just switching roles, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's, there's cadence, there's like where your foot is touching the ground, there's like how far away... Um, so is your foot landing under your waist, behind your waist, in front of your waist? Usually, I think people who, who, put, who land when their feet land in front of them, they tend to heel strike. So I think to, to improve your stride, you want to land ideally on top of your feet. There's your lean angles. Are you, are you leaning into the run? Or are you like, if the more you lean into the run, I think the more gravity is sort of helping you. Like ideally, You've got loads of techniques. <laughs> ideally, you want to make the run like uh, a fall. It's like a controlled fall. Almost. Uh, I don't know. This is this is my nerdy side coming out. It's, uh, it's really interesting. <laughs> All right, we, we, we can spend hours talking about this. Just about like heel strikes. But see, I think this is important not just for bringing out the best performance, but also if you want longevity. If you want to keep doing sports like if you love running you want to keep doing it for, for your whole life uh, obviously it's also important thinking yeah. about how to do it right in a way that's not going to harm harm your knees definitely your back. Uh, so 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 running running is i think of the three disciplines what i learned about the most this is for example when it comes to cycling uh it yeah. seems like there's a lot less technique there uh, oh, aside from say, drafting this, tell me more. Like, how, how do you like um, cycling technique? So there are different ways to train for cycling. If we if we talk if we literally talk about cycling, it would take maybe a day and twenty hours <laughs> because you've got you've literally got like your power meter. People train off power meter. People train off heart rate. People train off just cadence. And you know, it's what we're blessed as well. Another thing that you told you, you spoke about, which was regarding training in Bahrain. It's always windy in Bahrain. So wherever, whenever you cycle in Bahrain, you're going to get a headwind. And that's what makes you improve. Because when you go to Europe, you're not going to get as much wind as you get here, to be honest. Obviously, because we're in archipelago, we're surrounded by water, and the wind always comes in from everywhere. So the wind here, so headwind here, is just what makes you improve a lot. But yeah, to be honest, I'm the type of person who doesn't train off heart rate because I find that... No matter how much I try to train my mind, I cannot look at my heart rate because whenever I see it's high, I just go like, okay, no, that's me done. So I just always, mm. you know, remove the heart rate function and just go off my power. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I just prefer to feel it out. What, so power is how intensely, like, uh, so cadence is how many revolutions per, let's say, minute? So how many spins then, you do per minute, let's say? 
Okay. And power is how intensely you're spinning, like yes. how hard you're pushing down on the pedal. So how hard you're pushing. Yes. And everyone obviously has their own power because you can't compare your weight to my weight, obviously. Yeah. Um, so it's always calculated by watts per kilogram. So some okay. people will push three watts per kilogram. Okay. 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 Interesting. And, uh, and yeah, obviously I think drafting becomes way more important or arguably it's most important than cycling, right? It is the most important. Pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah, if you look yeah. at the technical aspects, which is the bikes, obviously, the carbon wheels and all that good stuff, um, mm. that, that would also make you improve a lot. Obviously, if you're riding a carbon bike and a guy's riding an aluminium bike. Is, do you feel like that's a big barrier to entry? Cause at a professional level, yes. Mm, it seems like an expensive piece of equipment if you want to really... Oh, like, it's very, very expensive. Yeah, very yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough to get both my bikes uh, from as a gift from Hussein Sheikh Nasser, so yeah. I'm very blessed to say that. Yeah, like it's, yeah, it yeah, does yeah. make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. even me- mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. Even if the weight difference is, let's say, uh, tens of grams or or hundred grams, you you if you know you're at a adv- disadvantage, that mentally starts to play games with you. Or if you're not as aerodynamic or any of that. I think it's... Literally, you'd, you'd even see in the stuff. Tour de France, you'd, yeah. you'd see like professional cyclists throwing their bottles like out because it's extra weight for them, like just a water bottle. So yeah. <laughs> it gets it I guess every gram, every gram counts. Yeah. And yes, swimming, I feel like might be tough to get into because I feel like swimming technique is just... I feel like it's when it comes to all three disciplines, although it's like some people tend to maybe uh, overlook it and say, you know what, it's not that important. It's like the shortest time-wise and distance-wise. Uh, get through it, focus more on cycling and running and you'll make up the time. Uh, but I feel like if you put a bit of effort into getting some of the technique right, it can make a big difference. What, so there's this- what do you think are like the biggest most common mistakes swimmers make so there's this really famous uh, triathlon quote uh, that that is swimming cannot win you the race but it can make you lose the race so mm. it all depends on what your goals are if you're a professional athlete swimming is the most important thing mm. you have to be a good swimmer to be able to see the guys on the bike if you like if we're talking iron man let's say iron man you're a professional iron man athlete you like let's say long distance athletes you get out of the water if you see everyone way ahead of you you're just here's where you have to mentally dig deep harder than the others whereas if you just get out and you see the guys just in front of you keeping that gap where you're not allowed to draft you're just there and you're comfortable you know Mm -hmm. but um, as an average age group Bahraini I'd say swimming is very important because if you just get the technique right then later on what will happen is you will come out of the let's say water not as you know let's say broken as you'd expect to be you'd be out just perfectly fine to be able to push on the bike and then run whereas if you don't learn the technique and you just you know neglect it and then you go in and swim and come out you're going to be so broke broken to the point that you're just going to hop on the bike and you're not be able you're not going to be able to catch your breath for the first 20 kilometers Mm. so the common mistakes that people always do in the pool that i see obviously based off my experience is the fact that 
they are, let's say, there are so an Ironman, you've got your waves, you've got your, you know, 25 minute swimmers and under, you've got your 30 minute swimmers and all all different timings. They're not very realistic with their timings. So I'm a two hour swimmer, let's say. <laughs> I go in with the 25 minute swimmers because, oh yeah, I'm going to be at the front. I'm going to avoid, you know, all the beatings and stuff that's going to happen. <laughs> that is yeah. a big mistake because you're swimming with people who are way faster than you. You're just going to end up getting beaten by the swimmers in the, pool, in the water, sorry, way more. Another mm. mistake would be is not investing in proper goggles. Some of them come in wearing, you know, like those huge goggles that kind of like they're going to go pearl diving. Um, <laughs> that, that's going to, that's going to like, you know, aerodynamically in the water, you're just going to be, you know, going to be not, not doing well. I'd say, you know, you're going to be causing a lot of drag. Third mistake would be is just body positioning. Whereas they have their heads like lined up with the water, but then waist down, just really down so it's like they're pulling the water with them while they're swimming mm. you need to cut through the water that's what it is yep. mm. amazing okay that's uh yeah it's a lot to think about the when it comes to summer training in the summer so we're keeping yeah. up on the summer i can already feel the the heat sinking in <laughs> probably um, to fix your aircon <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, when I'm outside, like, the weather's perfect. <laughs> it's uh, I can I mean I just I, I sweat pretty easily, and I feel like I'm already starting to like to need a lot more hydration, a lot more gels, um, and and I feel like as we creep into July, August, especially, uh, it gets it gets hard especially if you want to put in a lot of time and mileage. Uh, what, what advice do you have for someone like me who wants to keep putting in the hours, but <laughs> maybe not pass out during the right after training? <laughs> so uh, advice, advice for uh, someone like you. So obviously, first thing would be fixing the aircon. Second thing would be, uh, <laughs> so you and I both, we both, uh, we both uh, sweat a lot. And uh, that, is, that is a disadvantage for the both of us. Um, but one thing is obviously always train on your nutrition. You can't neglect your nutrition and then go into the race uh, just trying something new because that's going to cause stomach aches. That's just going to mess, mess you up really badly on race day. So I always believe in training with the equipment you have prior to race day. So my nutrition never changes. If it works, never listen to someone else because I can't tell you what to take because your body might be different. But I can advise you on something to try out obviously prior to the race. You know, but then you know your body better than anyone else, even better than a nutritionist. So I always follow what I feel comfortable with. And what I feel comfortable with is obviously, let's say training-wise, I would um, have my gel, which I usually take on race day 15 minutes prior. So I'll take that gel 15 minutes prior to my training session. Um, I go with High Five gels. Uh, I'm not sponsored by them, but I really like their gels because they're not, because if you compare High Five to Goo, Goo is very thick. Whereas high five, you get that, you know, you know, liquid feeling more than. Yeah, yeah it's easier to gel. take down. It's easier yeah, yeah, to yeah. digest. Yeah, yeah. So I, I take a high five gel 15 minutes prior to my session. And then throughout my session, I have obviously two water bottles. Sorry, two bottles. One would be a water bottle and one would be just like my electrolytes. Mm -hmm. So what I go with is Aqualite. Aqualite, uh, it's sold. Uh, so in Bahrain, you'd find that in Endura. Mm -hmm. um aqualites basically like electrolytes you'd put into like 
water and it just gives you all the electrolytes that you need during the session because obviously you, you can't just you know give your body water throughout like a two-hour session you need some yeah. salts and minerals as well so that has the exact capacity that i feel is good for my body and um, i train exactly how i train on race day so i'd always have two water bottles on race day if i were to race a 40 kilometer bike ride let's say i would just have one water bottle because a 40k is nothing compared mm. to like a 90k so for a 90k i'd have one water bottle and one bottle that i obviously have which is my electrolytes and then i'd always have this thing where i would take a gel every 30 kilometers so every 30 kilometers i'd take a gel and after every gel i'll just have one small sip of water it's always like i said i'm always re-saying this statement but there needs to be out there always train the way you're going to race because if you do the complete opposite that's where your whole race is going to be over no matter how fit you might be it's going to be over so, so, so in the summer, like, would you, you just train the way you normally would, like same, um, would, like same timings. Like, if you had sessions during the day, you keep training during the day, grinding it out, or do you move sessions around, try to do things like let's say after sunset? Um, so I'd always, I'd always train uh, the same way, same like uh, let's say intensity and stuff. But obviously, the timings would just be a bit different. So let's say on a weekend, if I were to go for a 120 kilometer bike ride, mm-hmm. I'd start after prayer straight away um if i were to be let's say if i were going to be doing like a run session in the afternoon i would ha- i'd train it i'd train just like maybe an hour before you know sunsets so i can get that benefit of the heat training obviously i'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be training on the track so if i train the track it's going to be a covered place but the sun's still up and you get a bit it's of sun but you know, as yeah, yeah the humidity but you do need that sometimes you know yeah. You sometimes do need that because you don't know where you might be racing because all races start early morning. You never have a race that's going to be at night. Right, right, right. Yeah, interesting. I had a few, uh, had a few technical questions I wanted to ask. Was, um, Hannah, do you have anything meanwhile like you wanted to bring up? I was waiting for you because you had the look on your face of like, okay, questions burning in your mind. <laughs> you can keep going with the technical questions. I'm sure that a lot of people are benefiting from it. Like in, in terms of, so I was wondering with, with, you mentioned 120K, like that sounds like a lot of distance for someone who's doing Olympic distance uh, races. Is that, is that normal to train 120K? Um, so it all depends on your coach who coaches you so many of the uh, let's say the under 23 athletes my age would do that Um, some are against it but i personally am with it because like you said it is the base you know Mm -hmm. because usually during the summertime sometimes there won't be many races so that's where you just go into like a volume a volume block where you just log in mileage and on the bike it, it doesn't make a difference you know what i mean because the bike is the more time you spend my theory is the more time you spend on the bike the better you become at it and the more comfortable you are on the saddle because mm-hmm. like ever since i got back from uh, the uk and i started cycling again because obviously i had to stop there i just felt uncomfortable on the bike because i haven't mm-hmm. put in the hours whereas i found it very difficult to even pass 20k but then mm-hmm. you know the more you put in the more mileage you put in the easier it becomes and yeah i just train a really like long on the bike but then my runs are not very long 15k max it would be 15 to 20k 
nice. Do, do you do you see yourself transitioning into different types of events, be it like endurance events or um, maybe singling out one of these three disciplines and, and like tackling so, um, those? This is How the funny you- story. Um, not many people know this, but um, I ran a full marathon when I was 15 years old. No um, way. <laughs> yeah. So I ran a full marathon when I was 15 years old. Um, just recently, I ran a full marathon again, but I didn't mention it to anyone. So I ran... Um, <laughs> undercover. I ran, uh, undercover, yes. I ran a full <laughs> marathon in, uh, in Dubai, uh, which is 42 kilometers. Um, the twist of this was I broke a Guinness World Record for the fastest marathon run wearing full military uniform. Um, but I didn't get the record, sadly, because um, the lady emailed me saying I wasn't wearing a helmet, whereas that is part of your kit and not your uniform, if you know what no I mean. Way. Yeah, so I didn't get the record, sadly. So I ran three hours, 16 minutes, a full marathon without, without training whatsoever because I was on a course um, in the military. So I ran it with, in three hours, 16 minutes, wearing full military uniform, but I didn't get given the record because I broke the record by 30 minutes, but I didn't get given it because I wasn't wearing a helmet. Which is not oh, part shit. of your uniform. Wow, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> no. Was this was this in uh, in January? I think oh, that was in it. January. Yeah, Dubai Marathon. Okay, I think we were at the same race. Too bad I didn't get to see you. Yeah, so <laughs> that was a bit <laughs> sad, but um, it is what it is. You know, I use that as motivation. I'll be back next year, and I'm definitely going to be wearing a helmet. And I'll, be breaking, <laughs> I'll be breaking the record. Make um, sure, make sure there wasn't anything else. Like, talk to this lady. Yeah. They're like, were my boots okay? The pants, no, I'm, are you I'm, happy with those? I'm the belt, to the like everything. Everything. You want me to carry a, a gun too? <laughs> Literally, yeah, it, was, it was a bit sad, but you know, um, like I said, I don't, I don't do this for the fame. I don't do this for the money. So it doesn't matter to me. I just do it because, you know, I personally just <laughs> want a Guinness World Record. And it didn't matter to me because if people find out or not, if I get the record or not, because I'm just motivated. I'm driven. I want to be the best version I can be of myself. Um, and throughout this military course I'm in, we did two 100 kilometers. So we had an endurance phase where we had to run 100 kilometers twice. First time I ran, it was in 16 hours, 30 minutes, obviously wearing boots, carrying kit and a rifle. Uh, second time, it was like, it had to be like, let's say, it's called a tab, whereas it's walking. So tactical advanced battle. So basically we had to walk 100 kilometers and that took us 23 hours. So we did that twice. <laughs> Do you, is this, so is this, uh, going back to the question, is this a direction you see yourself going in, like maybe focusing more on running or longer? Um, I'm I'm focusing on doing a a lot of, a lot of cool stuff because I enjoy sports, you know, I'm not, even when I race and I'm, and I'm competitive, I'm just enjoying it. I'm just a guy who wants to enjoy. I'm not a guy who would want to like, you know, want to do it again. Oh, I don't want to do it for the fame. I don't want to do it for the money. I don't want to do it for anything. I do it because I want to just have things ticked off my bucket list. So yeah, I'd obviously yeah. want to run. I'd obviously want to do it like the Norseman Triathlon, which is the hardest full distance Ironman in the world. I'd obviously want to do um, Cape Epic, which is a mountain bike race in South Africa with a lot of oh, stages, which that. is yeah. the most difficult mountain bike stage, which is the most difficult mountain bike race in the world. I'd, I'd like to do these things just for... You know, things I've done, things I could tell my grandchildren in the future, like, you know, your grandfather was a maniac doing all these crazy things. <laughs> and then hopefully they'd, they'd want to tag along as well. <laughs> amazing, amazing. What, what, was the, um, what was it like doing the 100Ks? 
that, that's um, something I'm really interested in learning about because so the first it's one of my one of my goals to be able to do an ultra. The first time we did it, um, the uh, the first time we were about to do it was obviously we had to carry 15 kgs of weight. Uh, we had our rifle, and uh, yeah, basically that's it. You carry your own nutrition, you carry everything, and obviously all the stops that you were. So every 10k there would be a stop. So it was it was basically a navigation exercise where you'd have to navigate your way through points, and um, and yeah, every 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 spot uh, uh, every spot you'd reach, like every point you'd reach, you'd have like you know a water stop with like soft drinks and stuff like you could take whatever but like food wise you'd have to take your own food mm-hmm. um obviously i was so excited obviously being an endurance thing I, I, an endurance junkie i loved it i was like oh man it's gonna be 100 kilometers it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be epic but the morning that i woke up i was like oh i it just reality just hit me i was like this is gonna be long it's gonna be a really long 100 kilometers but then i was just motivated because i was like you know what it's going to be fun. It's going to be a challenge. It's also going to be cool to like have that saved on your watch. Mm-hmm. So, sure so we started, yeah. so we started off um, at 9am. It was pretty hot, but it was winter. So it was a bit windy. The weather was, you know, bipolar, as you'd say it was raining and then it stopped raining and then it was sunny and then it was just, you know, but uh, going into the main point, I really enjoyed the fact that I was pushing my body to a limit. I never knew I had, and that's what makes you really motivated because you're running and then obviously because you're, you're not alone in this course you have a lot of people and the same thing for had it's going to cross your mind when you're going to be running your ultra you're going to be running with people following you online yeah and i'll be one of them as well inshallah so mm-hmm. you're going to be running knowing and okay now these these guys are looking at me online my parents are looking at me, my, my best friends they're all seeing how I'm progressing. Okay, if I had crossed the 10K mark. And that was the same thing with, with what I did. You know, because yeah. every time I'd cross the 10K mark, everyone would know I crossed the 10K mark. And I was like, if I slow down or if I'm not doing well, then I'm going to let people worry about me. If I, if I do this, if I do that, it's always if I do. You're going to be thinking of others. It's, you're you're, not, you're, not, you're going to be selfless. You're going to be thinking about other people rather than yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's, that's the beauty of this it's going to be like something that's just going to motivate you like, like crazy to finish the event. <laughs> like once you hit the 80K mark, you're, gonna, you're not going to feel your legs. You're not going to feel anything. But it took me the 80K mark. I'm not sure it's because of the kit. And you're going to go like, I don't know why I did this. I think I should just <laughs> stop, literally. But then you're just like, then you're just like, you know what? I've just got 20K to go. And then you start counting the hours. That 20K turns to, okay, I've got like two hours and I'm, and I'm done with this. And once you're done, you're that that feeling that you get and you're just like, okay, after I shower, I'm just going to be completely fine. Then you're going to have that walk of fame where you're just like, you can barely walk. And then everyone will know you've, you've done something like intense. Why is this guy walking like, like a maniac? And then it's just, it's just beautiful. Like a full marathon. The nutrition wise, it's just eat whatever you want to eat. You can walk, you know, throughout the eating phase. Mm-hmm. It's not like a full marathon where, you know, I've got a timing. Anything can happen yeah. at an ultra marathon. You just have to finish. Nobody cares about your time. You just want to know right. you finished it. Yeah, that's it. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I feel like it's it's a lot more mental. The longer you go, the more, the more your mind starts. Like the more, your mind becomes more and more important, and your your body goes through these ups and downs and you get this like, second wind and then you're reborn again and then you're like you feel good then you're down again and this crazy ups and downs uh that i feel like attracts me to 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 these longer distance events 
um, you you get to you get to experience sort of like states of mind like just that are I don't know you don't you, like you get to know yourself in a way that I feel like is very hard to know yourself otherwise. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> a lot of alone time. It is a lot of alone time, and everything's gonna start to annoy you. Even if like, even if you just like see a fly just like go on your finger, you're just gonna go like, oh, why is why is this fly on me? Like from everyone around the world, why did it choose me? You know, start, everything starts to be annoying. But then that's the beauty of it. It's how you control it. You know, um, it's all about how you control these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. And any any thoughts from your end? Um, there was a lot of information, <laughs> a lot of which I can't use for me. <laughs> you never know, Anna. You never know. You never know. What's, yeah. No, well, actually, you, okay. This is like uh, nothing compared are, to what are you, you guys. Are you into mm-hmm. running? Are you into running? Or no, I've never been able to run just because um, my left knee always starts hurting whenever I do any kind of running. So I don't, uh, I don't run this. Um, okay, so this is nothing compared to what you guys have been talking about. But yeah, ever since this lockdown quarantine thing uh, has uh, started and I've been trying to uh, work out every day. And again, that's like nothing compared to what you guys are talking about. You guys are athletes. But to me, that was, that was a major step. Um, especially in the in the realm of like discipline and just keeping myself holding myself accountable to those workouts even though they're not exactly like intensive or anything but they're just they're there and I have to do them and um for me like as a challenge for myself so um it's been interesting especially because I never imagined I could like being at home I could I've never I've never been into home workouts for me, it was always like going to the gym. That was my motivation, like getting up and going there. And then I'll do it. But then like getting up at home, it's a different kind of challenge for people who are not used to working out. So um, just hearing you guys talk about, you know, that discipline, that like challenging yourself. It's like all about, like no one is challenging you. It's like literally just you against you. And so it makes me think about that challenges I want to challenge myself with when it comes to like just physical ability and all of that again very minor compared to what you guys have been talking about but that's what's been going through my mind on a personal level yeah that's a good point I feel like it's really good to have a a goal to work towards it doesn't matter whether you achieve it or not just just to set a direction or like heading for what you're doing uh, if yeah. there's like a movement you're excited about trying or a number of, I don't know, push-ups or uh, whatever it is. It's just, I think it's, it's important to have something to work towards. Fayella, by the next episode, you want to hear your, uh, <laughs> you want to hear your fitness goals. <laughs> no, literally, it all, it, it all it takes is just literally one, like one, let's say, event to like change your life. I knew I knew people who didn't even like to walk. Literally, they were that lazy, and now they're just finishing Ironmans because they just took part in this three-kilometer walkathon, and then they just got this like hundred first medal, and they're like, okay, they got motivated because you know they felt like they've achieved something, you know. 
and then that's what drives them to like wanting to do this so this register for any race that comes up hopefully after this pandemic is through and uh, you've got this really good event called the bin Faghi boost run it's coming up uh, soon in bahrain hopefully after this is all done and if you do the 5k race women's race you'll you'll really enjoy it i'll be there to run with you hopefully inshallah speaking speaking of which uh, for someone like as active as you you mentioned that you're on quarantine Yes. So how have you been dealing with it? How have you been keeping active? What have you been doing? So back then, I, I used to have a treadmill and a turbo trainer um, to like for indoors, to train indoors. But then I just gave them away to my friends because I was against being indoor. And then the quarantine hit. <laughs> so now I'm the one that's, uh, you know, struggling. So I'm running. So I'm in quarantine now in my grandmother's house because don't want to be like you know next next to my family uh, my grandmother is already like in her own side and i'm in my own side and i'm running in her like backyard which is like 30 meters and it is horrible because i'm hitting eight kilometers in like two hours which takes me so long but it is what it is i'm doing a lot of that i am doing a lot of sit-ups push-ups you know body weight training a bit of core work here and there but it's also some good time to self-reflect, you know. Sports isn't all about, you know, pushing yourself to the absolute limits and training the hardest. It's also sometimes about training the smartest. So um, I've got time to read books I've always wanted to read. I've got time to, like, you know, sit and keep in touch with people I haven't kept in touch with in a long time. I've got time to do this awesome podcast and meet you guys. You know, it's a, it's a lot of things you can do. So I'm just enjoying this time. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think this is a, a good time to do a lot of things that you've been wanting to do, but haven't gotten around to doing. So I've been using that time to do that, especially spending time with family and just reprioritizing. Yani, it makes you like, you know, go from being so like having a hectic life and doing a million things to just, you know, you're forced to focus on just a few because there are some things that you just can't do anymore. So been good i think that's a good time to self-reflect it's a good time for me it's been it's also puts me into this uh, space of uh, again like working out at home being uh, physically active at home which is something that i've never uh, i've never done before my you know, me being active is just it's always outside of my home not like in the living room or in my bedroom which what i what, which is what i've been doing recently and i see that the whole world is doing that there's like a wave of home workouts and you go on instagram and everybody's there working out at home it's amazing everyone everyone's a coach now <laughs> <laughs> everyone's a personal trainer Abdullah, have you heard of these guys running marathons in their living room or on their balconies yeah so i had a friend of mine uh, lee ryan who ran 100 kilometers in his backyard and it's just insane what the fruit <laughs> yeah, he literally, he literally ran a hundred kilometers in, in his own backyard. To me, that's that's like mind blowing. And that is, yeah, that is a whole different game of mind. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. toughness. Exactly, exactly. So, um, wow. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's too much. I, I feel like that's that's a bit too much. You don't, you don't need to do that to yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I was planning to like run a full marathon here, but then I was like, you know what, I, 
I don't want to lose my speed because obviously the more endurance you do, the less speed you lose. And at this age, I, mm. I need to be working on my speed. So <laughs> can't just lose oh, that. interesting, interesting. Is that why in general, like, most people focus on sprints and then gradually increase distance as they get older. Yes, okay. that is the main reason. Because okay. obviously, your muscle fibers, you have your fast switch and slow switch fibers. So at a young age, you know, your fast switch ones are, you know, was there. Interesting, interesting. Good. But, um, do you have any, like for people listening and like who you might have sparked something in or interested in unleashing some of their physical potential. What, what advice do you have for, for these people? Uh, my advice is this is, this is, this is not something that you'd like see in the movies or something like that, but slow progress is better than no progress whatsoever. When I first started out this triathlon journey, um, I remember my first bike ride. My first bike ride was a 90 kilometer bike ride. I didn't even know how to ride like a proper road bike, you know, the ones with like thin wheels. And yeah. I crashed. I crashed in that bike ride four times. So I crashed four times and I had like cuts all over me and I was bleeding like from top to bottom. But um, it's just the drive and mentality of never giving up. And that's what got me to finish. And I was literally the worst cyclist in the country. Every bike ride that I'd go to, I would know I would crash. So I'd, I remember I had a lot of cycling jerseys and I'd only wear the same one to every cycling session because I knew I was going to crash and I was going to rip. <laughs> and that was true because every time I'd cycle, I would crash and rip until I was confident enough to wear my other jerseys and I knew I wouldn't crash. And I remember the, because I was such a bad cyclist, I remember my first triathlon race. I was first out of the water and then I came into transition. From first out of the water, I came out, sorry, I came back from the bike leg second last. So you can imagine everyone beat me except this one mesquite, I think maybe like a. 70 year old lady who didn't manage to catch me on the bike um and then i just i was running walking my way back into like trans back into the finish line and i finished let's say maybe fifth from last or seventh from last and that was like my first ever triathlon and and then my second triathlon was basically the asian beach games where one bahraini dropped out and i last minute decided that i'd also cover all the expenses and i decided to go there and race instead of him and I was also, again, one of the first few out of the water. And then I came in last on the bike. And I came third from last on the, on the finish line. But then again, after that, that's the thing that makes you want to be a better athlete. It's always these setbacks that give you that time to make that really good comeback. You know? So it's never give up on what, what you believe in, to be honest, no matter how bad it is. Because always remember that everyone started off like that. No Olympic gold medalist, no Olympic, let's call, uh, uh, what's it called, athlete ever did something and he was at the top you all start at the bottom i love it i love it uh one, one more question from my end what's yes. what's something you strongly believe that you think most people would disagree with in what context any context it can be sports related personal philosophical whatever it may be any so, like, strong opinion you have that you think most people would disagree with? So, um, opinion that I, I'm very true to and I will stand by is, what, and I always mention it, is whatever is good for your soul, just do that. And it's a Zen saying because, I re, and I really love this saying because literally 
everything depends on how you are as a person, what your soul is. Because if you're, if you're feeling down, uh, something's like hurting your soul, let's just say. Just let it go. Just, you know, don't be with it. Throw it away. If it's a toxic relationship, just call it off. If it's like a person you're around with, just stop hanging out with that person. If it's, some, if it's your daily job, just quit your job. You know what I mean? Just always do something that makes you, your soul happy genuinely because you're literally on this earth for like, like once in your life. That's it. You have one life. And if you don't live it right, if you try to live a life trying to please everyone, then you're not going to... Many people are going to hate me. Many people, like obviously being the Arab region, they'll be saying, Jamal Nas, Jamal Nas. You don't need to do that. You know what I mean? If you're real and you're a true person, people will just love you for who you are. If you're just going to be jumbling everyone all the way through, you're going to go reaching your deathbed in a really horrible state saying you haven't lived your life to your fullest. Just be true to yourself and only do things that you enjoy. Only do something because you utterly love it with all your heart and soul. Ah, that's, that's a beautiful note. Beautiful note to start uh, winding down episode. Um, you actually got me thinking. Like, I feel like, you know, Hal and I, we, we really want to talk to or learn from people like that who are um, not afraid to be different, who are doing their own thing. I think you're definitely one of those people. And I was just wondering, if do, do, does anyone come across as someone who you think would be interesting for us to interview? can be from any, any field. Like, it doesn't have to be sports. Any field. Uh, someone that comes to my mind. Um for you guys to interview um obviously english and arabic right so yeah both or either like either one doesn't really matter there are there are quite uh, it depends what is the contact that you got content that you guys are looking for whether it's sports related or are you guys always focusing on sports related or are you guys focusing on career-wise anything at all anything at all then the first person that comes to your mind um, I literally, honestly, I, I don't know who, who, to, who to mention because I don't know who to say, who to leave out. You know, you've got so many inspirational <laughs> right, so we'll people. Leave it, we'll leave it uh, off. We'll continue this conversation offline. If you have any ideas, just come up. Yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be much more that. better. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm well, I mean, pleasure having you. Um, Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. You're 22. Uh, you're wise beyond your years, mashallah. And you have this abundance of experience that is just um, beneficial for anyone to listen to. Shukran, Magasar. Thank you for giving us the time to talk to us and to be here. Um, you know, stay safe. Ramadan uh, Kareem. I hope uh, this is a good month, a blessed month for everyone, for you and your family. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was uh, really nice to get to know you guys. And all the best with your podcasts, inshallah. Thank you, thank you. I'm really excited to follow your journey. Um, I think for those of you listening, you can follow Abdullah Atiyah. Uh, Hopefully, he keeps us up to date with his exciting adventures. And um, uh, don't do too many things undercover. Keep us involved with some of the exciting bucket list items you have going on. I will, inshallah. I will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Take care.
damn you made it all the way to the end of this podcast and i'm guessing you want to stay up to date with us so please follow us on instagram at unboxed.podcast or or check out our website unboxedpodcast.com um has like the full history of all of our episodes and yeah you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts we're on apple Podcasts, spotify you name it we'd love to hear from you thank you for tuning in bye bye